0: I'm gonna learn about podcast hosting. After visiting what is the You
1: won't have to. Are you troubled by pop culture references you don't understand?
2: Just trying to figure out a good jumping
0: on point in a long-running comic series keep you up at night? Have you or your friends or family seen a comic book-based movie, TV show, or cartoon and not known what was going on?
1: If the answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you. My Big Fat poll List. Our assembly of knowledgeable hosts are eager
2: to help answer all your comic book-based pop culture questions. We're ready to geek out
1: with you. The act of telling a story, much less an interesting one, is not easy. Yes, we're taught to place words in order so they form sentences, and those sentences are meant to create a narrative others should be able to follow and understand. But that's not always the case. Writing a story is hard work, and when it's your job, talk about pressure. The stories found in books, television shows, video games, movies, cartoons, and comics all begin as an idea in someone's head, and we here at The Polist want to take the time during this episode and show some appreciation to the hardworking folks with
0: the right stuff. Welcome to another episode of My Big Fat poll List, ladies and gentlemen. I am one of your hosts, Mr. X. I am joined by... Smurfy. And... Pistol Danger! Our episode topic, we want to pay tribute to the writers who really take the time and and make what we read enjoyable. There can be a debate whether, you know, what came first, the writer or the artist. Uh, I know for a fact I've had many, many debates with artists who say that uh, uh, Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, well, it was really all Jack Kirby who created everything. It was like, ah, no. Stan Lee had the idea, said this is what I want. Jack Kirby would draw it. Whether he was following Lee's instructions or not, he was still drawing what Lee envisioned. envisioned, And then Lee comes in and he writes everything. He does all the dialogue and stuff. So that was a nice little marriage there to where you had collaboration. So the way we've got this episode set up, we've picked three just completely random. We're, we're each going to take a turn. They will be listed in no particular order. So for my
1: first pick as best writer, I have Kevin Smith. Examples his run on Daredevil and Green Arrow. Phenomenal. Got me back into those characters. I think he did a great job. It actually gave me a passion for comics again.
2: What did you like about that he brought back to the
1: characters? Well, with Green Arrow, he brought him back. Like, legit brought him back. Like, he was dead. And Kevin Smith brought him back in Quiver. And it was just a great story. And it made me actually care for the character who I never had any interest for before. Did the way he bring him back make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, it's most resurrection stories. You know, I mean, again, it was one of the very first. I was working at the shop. I didn't know much about comics. All I knew at the time was G.I. Joe Punisher. That's it. So I was like, oh, Kevin Smith, I like his movies. I'll give his writing style a shot. And I loved it, fell in love with Green Arrow. When he was done writing it, I picked up the next guy's, and you could tell it's a totally different vibe, and I dropped it right after that. because so I was like, <laughs> nope, not the same.
0: Well, and I think that's the that's the whole difference about all the writers. It is, yeah. It's totally subjective. For me, I'll stick around for at least an issue or two once a new writer comes along and see if I enjoy their style. I and if sto- I don't, I, 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 I'm, give I'm a out. I get the story
1: arc, because it takes more than a couple issues to build the story. So I'm like, I'll give you the next story arc if I don't like it by that. Mm-hmm. Out. So, I can understand that. Yeah and then there's immediate
2: like disqualifications as well like if the writer completely changes what has come and just ignores continuity because they have a story they want to tell right so yeah but we're getting off topic you said he brought back daredevil as well
1: no he just wrote for daredevil okay what so, did, uh, what um, uh, what storyline Well did no he that's write? that's
0: he did bring daredevil back oh, he brought him back um, daredevil didn't ha- hadn't had an ongoing title for a while Oh, I
1: you're saying, I, I think it went back from life, and I was like, Oh like, no no yeah, no no, Daredevil right. wasn't dead. Right, I was going to say yeah, Daredevil yeah, wasn't that's dead in that story, unless yeah, I completely right. misread that. And <laughs> no, I was like, no. He wasn't dead. No, <laughs> but he did brought like he brought him back as in popularity wise, and yeah, brought like mm. there's no Daredevil around. He started writing Daredevil again, jumped on it, and it was great. The next story arc that followed, I bought that and just didn't care for it because again, different writer, just didn't like the way he did it. So, yep. So Kevin Smith will write it. I'm going to read it.
2: One of my picks is Garth Enos, and a lot of people know him for blood and gore um, and shock value, because he's done Preacher, The Boys, Punisher, Max, Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe. But what I love him for is the series Hitman. I think Hitman is a perfect story that encapsulates 60 issues and then has a beautiful send-off in JSA Classified. It's a two-parter. And what I love about it is it's a guy who takes place in Gotham City under the watchful eye of Batman, who is around. And it's just it's like, okay. so this is going to sound weird, but it's believable that he can operate in Gotham City with the Batman around. He's an assassin by trade.
1: I've seen that they coexist. The way he writes is like these guys can coexist. Batman is yes. always going to beat him up because the guy learned to operate around Batman.
2: Yes, and it's kind of like how all the superheroes are kind of in New York, and for a while none of them would touch.
1: Right, or like know, crossover. Right, like
2: they'll talk about Batman or Catwoman or what the Joker's just done in the current storyline, or they'll cover um, he'll cover, like what was it uh, the one million years DC arc, where like they went to the
0: future. <laughs> You're looking at me. I'm yeah, not Doctor Impact. Not, not, that's <laughs> fair. We need we need him. <laughs> Um, I know what you're talking about. with yes. the stories. Yes, but I didn't like, read a lot of them, but he'll,
2: yes, he'll kind of to those with Hitman because Hitman's like not considered like an important character in continuity, but he is in continuity. So he does like mention like, oh, like oh, what was it? Superman. Like, there's one of the big scenes of it is Superman has landed on the roof of the bar, and Tommy's about to assassinate someone, but he hasn't pulled the gun out yet, so Superman doesn't know. And I think Tommy actually comes up on Superman. And he's like, well, what's wrong? And Superman's like, well, don't worry about it. I'm Superman. It's a Superman problem. He's like, no, no. Like, we're all here. You've done enough for us. I can at least listen to your problems. And so Superman tells his story about how he was just up in space, how he just saved a space shuttle, except for one man. One person he didn't see. And then the last moment is as, this, as the spaceship is blowing up, he, he can save all these people or he can... Let them all go to save this one person. So all Superman can do is watch this one person die that he failed to save. And he laments the fact that he's like, why couldn't I do more? And Tommy gives this speech where it's "It's not that you can't do more, it's you can do only what you can do. And that has to be good enough. Because in a world where a lot of people don't do anything, you do more than everyone. And like, I... I'm never gonna be able to, to say how beautiful that speech is to him, but it is a solid speech that I recommend people just Google. Google Hitman, Superman, so man an
1: anti hero kinda? Yeah. Okay. I don't think about Hitman. He fights Dracula.
2: He Catwoman it. and Batman team up to fight Dracula. It's pretty fun. I, I, I don't want to give too much away. It's only sixty issues. Find it, read it. It's one of my favorite Garthas and the the ending is beautiful. It tears me up. Salty tears run down these beautiful rosy cheeks.
0: My first pick is Chris Claremont. Now, anybody who's read any X-Men books from the mid-'70s to the early-'90s knows exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, Chris Claremont has the longest run in existence being on a single book. Uh, He was on Uncanny X-Men from 1975 to 1991. Not only that, but then also shaped the world of the X-Men, creating the majority of the popular characters that you and I and everybody listening knows today. But that's not all he's known for. He also was the author of Aliens, Predators, Deadliest of the Species. One of the reasons why I have Chris Claremont on my list, and and I have to say, this... This episode was extremely difficult for me because trying to whittle down all of the writers that I, I love in this medium it, it was almost impossible. I actually kind of feel like I'm I'm cheating so many other writers because I've left so many off my list. I can only I can only pick three. Screw you! I don't want to do that, but I gotta follow the rules because without rules, there's freaking chaos, man. Uh, Chris Claremont is also the master of the long game. This is a man. Who is able to write story arcs within story arcs within story arcs that could last, could last, and did last years to pan out? So, for somebody who is picking the book up, uh, and at one point in time the book was actually coming out bi-monthly. Uh, so, if you're if you're reading his stuff, it may take you fifty issues to get one particular story arc done because. He's got so many different characters he's juggling around. For the majority of his X-Men run, a lot of the X-Men, they weren't even the X-Men. They were believed dead and scattered around the globe. Which is why he also wrote New Mutants and Excalibur and X-Factor and a lot of the other X-Books. Really shaped the way that the X-Men comics, I wish, could be done today.
1: Did he help develop all the like which big characters did he helped develop all of them? I mean, like I know it's open end question. I'm just kind of curious. Is there anything he? Really uh, do you want life?
0: me to list off some of the characters he's created? I can. I mean, Gambit, yeah. Yeah. Rogue, okay. Jubilee, okay, Psylocke.
1: Because I feel like they need to get credit. Like I feel like these characters need credit for who created them because everyone knows, like, oh, who's oh, well, get yeah, but like who did Chris, Cl- you know, Claremont create?
0: Fun story. I'll give you this fun story about uh, in 2016. Uh, Saint Charles had uh, their annual Comic Con, and Saint Charles puts on a good show. Right, not enough comic books, but there were there were a decent amount of vendors. Got you. Their special guest for that year was Chris Claremont. Okay, you know Smurfy because you were there, and you know Pistol because you've seen the pictures. Yes, but my wedding was X Men themed. Yes, and what my wife wanted to do, we had we had a ton of pictures. What my wife did is she created a a collage photo to put in. The autograph frame that right, that she had bought right. at the, for the wedding. So we, the big idea was we're going to get Chris Claremont to sign this because most of the characters in these pictures he created.
1: That we were in the wedding party, right? Right, right.
0: Side note: I wasn't invited to the wedding.
1: We didn't like you then. We don't really
0: like you now. At Fair that, point. At, <laughs> at that point in time, I'd only been around you like three times. Yeah, more than you're enough still, time to invite me. Still... You should have been a plus one. I should have been one plus one. <laughs> Okay. So, so long story short, we were standing in line and we're listening to Chris Claremont tell stories about you know his time with with Marvel and what he would have done. Some of the bad decisions that the company made, where characters and story arcs were were concerned. And it finally gets to be our turn. We we show him the picture and we actually say, "I'm sure you've autographed some weird stuff, but this is probably going to be the first time you've ever autographed a wedding photo." Right. And he was amazed. He was like, "Oh my god, I can't believe this." There was a spot where he could, you know, sign it real nice and big. And I don't want to ruin the art. He literally said the word, those words. I don't want to ruin the art, so he signs it real teeny tiny. So the whole point of of, of getting that you want him that, to, like, that like, plastic right? thing across exactly Just and Bam. and I didn't want to correct the man, right? Of course, because he's Chris Claremont. That's yeah, rude. it is rude. It's but yeah. I didn't want to correct Chris Claremont. Like how so, can you sir, sign it bigger now? <laughs> Couldn't you... we're gonna need you to do it again? <laughs> right. Couldn't this you have simply better.
2: shown him this? Like, and we made this beautiful spot for you time to out. sign. Uh, how awesome
1: I, uh, would have been if you've been like, sir, hang on, you whip out another exact same picture frame <laughs> and like sign up at this time <laughs> better? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna exactly need this
0: better. one bigger because <laughs> this is gonna be the one that we put online, right? This is the eBay, right?
1: This is the eBay one,
0: but yes. Anybody who has never read anything Chris Claremont has has written, especially where the mutants are concerned, his earlier work is his best work. Uh, Later on in life, he did come back to the X-Men several different times, and the magic just wasn't there. It was still fun, but it wasn't like the old days, sadly. Uh, But I, I definitely recommend checking out anything written by Chris Claremont. When he you came back,
2: time. would you say the magic wasn't there because of previous writers taking what he had kind of done and changing it, or just he himself no longer had the magic the, the to funk, bring the characters? The Vibe
0: was gone. I oh man, I really oh, no, don't. No, a real question. You're okay, no, no, me. no. Actually, it was a it was a question I wasn't ready for, but it's a question that I've had to answer before. Yes. And I've lied. Okay. I'll be honest you can lie with on where the we'll No, I don't want to. I don't want to lie on here. It's just, it's just, it's not a good answer when okay. it comes to my love for Chris Claremont. I think, in in my mind, and this is just my opinion, I'm probably wrong, mm-hmm. but in my mind, he didn't evolve, mm-hmm. okay, with the, cast, with the times, okay, where the X Men were concerned. He's
1: still writing them back like the '90s, and you're like, I'm not,
0: hey, I'm not you? saying that he was treating the characters like they were still those characters. There, it was, he was writing things that really didn't fit with what had been going on with the X-Men. It was like he wanted to go back. Even though when you listen to interviews, he always talks about how he didn't want to do the same old thing. But it seems like every single time he came back to the X-Men, almost all the time, not not always, but almost all the time, he went back and did the same old thing. Another one of my favorite
1: writers is Peter David. And he's best known for The Incredible Hulk from 1987 to 1998, Spider-Man 2099, and one of my personal favorites, which is how I got introduced to him, X-Factor, which started in 2005. And that's where I know him, and that's where I love him from.
0: I and love your pick. I love your pick. Because he... he was actually going to be on my list, so... Right, I think I beat you to him. You did. You yeah. you did. You, you beat me to him. And you, beat, you beat me. You beat me.
1: And... <laughs> it's first. not a competition. <laughs> no, but that'll be the first time, probably last time, it ever happens. So let's put it on the board. <laughs> put a ding.
0: ding. Uh, Smurfy wins one.
1: But the main reason why is because I remember I uh, I think it was you and a few other people when I was working at you know the comic shop were just like hey you should try to X Factor and I was just like why And they're like here's a list of people in X Factor and it was people that, like characters who I've heard about name only didn't know really right. their powers it was like multiple man strong guy uh, Wolf Spain and a few other people and I was just like what's about they're like uh they're heroes like solving crimes like detective actual style for other mutants. And I was like, I'll give it a whirl. I ended up falling in love with it. It's Mm. smart. It's kind of gets to suspenseful. You got some mystery involved in it. Like the little girl, you're just the whole time wondering like, who is this little girl? What is she doing? Oh, Lila Miller. She knows things. Oh, exactly. And that's all she says. That's all she says. Yeah. What? And it's so intriguing. And you're just like, I'm in. And then it's like, Jamie dealing with his own powers, like you start having into his, where he's like, Yeah, every time I kind of like dupe, like the dupes aren't exactly 100% right, and someone can't be trusted. And it's just like, oh, and so it's a whole combination of stuff. He writes it very, very well. and I'm always intrigued, and I always want to get like the next chapter going.
0: Ironically enough, Chris Claremont created Multiple oh, man. man. Okay. So in a uh, giant size Fantastic Four number four. Oh, wow. But eventually come come the 90s that's when jamie moved on up right and and actually became a they they turned him into a superhero right and peter david again one of the reasons why he would have been he, he would be on my list as well is because peter david knows character yes he does and he knows how to he knows the best way to make characters is by torturing them yeah you can you feel for him i mean that's part of the thing is you're right. like
1: oh man like you find out what
0: what strong Guy's dealing with, and you're just like that dude's got. Issues. It's the human and the superhuman. Yes, that's which is that's awesome. what Peter David right. is really good about. And he's I mean, Peter David's done everything. I mean, he's written for television. He's written for he's written films. Right. He's written books. Uh, he's he's loved by a lot of a lot of the uh, lovers of the early uh, Star Trek novels. He's he's okay. one of the uh, one of the, the the early authors who started the Star Trek novel universe. Okay. And like you, you mentioned before, he, he helped create Spider-Man 2099. He, very much like Chris Claremont, has one of the longest runs on another book, The Incredible Hulk. That was a 12-year, uh, just under a 12-year run. That's where I fell in love with Peter David, is he was the writer who decided, you know what? You remember that screw-up way back when they created The Incredible Hulk in issue one? The gray. where he was gray and then the very next issue he was green, green. what's that about peter david was like i want to explore the multiple personality disorder that i see in bruce banner and he was the one who expanded on the fact that banner was abused as a child and that's why the green hulk is all that childhood rage. oppressed rage and the Gray Hulk, Mister Fixit. That's he's more intelligent. He's not as strong, but he's more intelligent. That's all of that's all of Banner's the jealousy and the envy and the insecurities that just turn him into this bully. Right as Mister Fixit, as, as the Gray Hulk. And, and the only way that you do that right is you got to know character, and Peter right. David absolutely knows how to do character right.
2: So for my second pick. Like you said, this was actually really hard. So what I tried to do was find past, present, and someone I was looking forward to continue reading. Okay, Um, okay. Hitman was kind of the past, but then the present, I had a couple of choices that I really liked, but I kept gravitating back to Next Wave because I love Next Wave and the writer, Warren Ellis. It's only 12 issues, but it is a beautiful 12 issues. It's Honestly, it might be my favorite comic book series. It was so fantastic, so out there, so fuck you to everything that I just I fell in love with it. I did. They took characters that were forgotten or misused or that no one really cared about, and then, to me, gave them a new breath of life. Machine Man had been, what, nothing since then. Boom Boom was in and out of X-Force and X-Men. Uh, Monica Rambeau. I don't even remember the last time somebody mentioned her in a major role. And then you have the captain, obviously. And to me, it was also like an interesting dynamic in the crew because it was three women because Elsa Bloodstone is there too. She was their you know, their monster hunter. And then she just kind of went away for a while in Marvel and then again brought back here. I don't know. I just love the idea that all these D-list heroes were brought together for this one book. And it's so... Insanely fun that there is a giant cyclops brontosaurus, and I love it. So Warren Ellis is my second pick, but not in any particular order because otherwise he might have been first. However, <coughs> however, he might also be best known to you guys as the writer of Transmetropolitan or mm-hmm. Planetary,
0: Planetary, yeah,
2: or Marvel's Counter X line,
0: and I think. That's where my first experience with Warren Ellis started. Of course, I was c- collecting all of the uh, the X Men titles, and in in the nine in the late nineties, getting ready to transition into the two thousands, the X Office had a huge shakeup, and uh, ironically enough, it was one of the times where uh, Chris Claremont came back, okay, to write both Uncanny X Men and X Men, mm-hmm. and. Warren Ellis was in charge of Counter X which was the the other titles that weren't just your main your main two books and that was Generation X X-Man Nate Gray? Nate Gray X-Man Nate yeah. Gray. Yeah. yeah and X-Force what he did is he he basically they each had their own team of writer and artists, but he was the one who oversaw the plots for everything okay. so he was kind of like in charge of the plots for each of the book, but he didn't actually write every single book. Mm-hmm. Question for you? Yeah, go ahead. He, was, he
1: just wrote X Force. Which which team? Was who was who's on this? This
0: team? was the last team before X Force went away to become what was would be known as Ecstatic. Okay, so this so team like, was a cable Domino. No, no, this oh, so is so the right. long yeah way way. It's so, uh, I, Pete I Wisdom. Okay. It's Domino. Gotcha. It's Warpath. Oh, okay. It's Cannonball. And boom, boom. Meltdown, she was called at the time. Here's the problem, though. The whole counter-X thing was, we're really going to change things up. And this is actually when Warpath developed the ability to fly. Boo. Anyway. Well, I mean, he's been able to do it ever since. But in, in Warren Ellis' mind, it was like, oh, no. I mean, he's he's such the Superman specimen. He should also be fly. able to fly. I don't know why, because sure. we only had one flyer on the team. You needed two. two? Right. We, he changed X Man into a shaman, to where oh, he was supposed to be the nice. shepherd for all mutant kind. And you remember that he was traveling to parallel universes and oh, and wow. dealing with evil versions of his not mom, Madeline Pryor, hmm. which is Cable's real mother, mm-hmm. and uh, Generation X. Uh, he killed he killed some kids. He liked killing children. I'm sorry, teenagers. Whoa. He liked oh. killing teenagers. Whoa. I mean, who doesn't he think He made everything very dark, but that is what Warren Ellis does. Yeah. It, it, he, he is known for his dark turn on things.
2: It's not what I know him for. I know him for Next Wave.
0: But ironically enough, it, it's also during that time that counteracts time that all three of those books were canceled. Huh. Because people didn't like the direction that they were going. They don't like kids dying. I did read Next Wave oh, yeah? Pistol. Because. Of Because of the fact that it had Tabitha Smith,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: known as Boom Boom or Boomer or Meltdown, whichever moniker she was going by at that point in time. I think Cable would just call her his his
2: ex bait at the time.
0: Ha ha. Warren Ellis jokes. So many Next Wave jokes. I love it. But here, let me ask you this. Shoot. Mm -hmm. Why haven't we seen Next Wave come back if it was so awesome? Because we
2: can't have nice things.
0: I know why he loves the captain. That character is him if he had superpowers. I mean, literally, it is. Smiling like idiot, which means yes, yes,
2: you are correct. I do have it. red converse, camo pants, a black star t shirt, <laughs> a long brown trench coat, and a receding hairline. That is fair. I just know I loved it.
0: Call to the audience Do you remember Next Wave? And if you do, tell us what you loved about it. Reach out to us or at hated. our or hated. Tell us what you thought, whether it be good or bad. Reach out to us at our website at MyBigFatPullList.com, fill out the contact form, and tell us all your thoughts on Next Wave. My second pick for favorite writer, and I I hate even saying favorite writer, but my second pick is Cullen Bunn. Uh, Cullen is uh, currently a local boy. He lives in Missouri. He lives in uh, Springfield, Missouri. Responsible for a lot of material, both in the independent world, in DC, in Marvel, everywhere. He's he is one of the hardest working writers in comics as a freelancer right now. Some of the work that he's best known for is uh, uh, the Sixth Gun, uh, that came out in uh, 2010. That was the uh, the cowboy western horror comic. Uh, he also did another, uh, yet again, another horror comic in 2015 called Harrow County, and his run on Magneto in uh, 2014. Cullen, I-, I would say that one of the reasons why his writing grabs me is his work on X-Men Blue, which I know the both of you have at least read the first trade mm-hmm. yeah. of. We really we started. Started. Yeah. One of the things I love about his run on X-Men Blue is the nostalgia factor. He was introduced to the X-Men in the late 80s into the 90s, and it was the, that version of those X-Men that shaped his love for those characters. So when he finally got a chance to write an X-Men comic book, he brought a lot of that stuff back. And it wasn't, hey, I'm going to hit you on the head for nostalgic reasons. It's, so I'm writing this story, and hey, you know what? If I bring this over here and it fits in perfectly, people who read com- read the X-Men comic books back then are going to appreciate this. Mm-hmm. But if you if you weren't reading it, it's going to make you want to go back and read that old stuff. And the thing is, that old stuff, it's good stuff. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a huge X-Men fan. I'm saying that because it was good storytelling.
2: So he would reward people for being longtime readers and entice people to read older comics.
0: Yes. This is the man who tried for years to get Maggot back into mainstream X-Men comic books. So yet, yet another reason for us here at the poll List to appreciate him. Love this man.
1: My third pick is jeff johns
0: ah yes
1: jeff mother eppin johns (laughs) he is best known for flash in 2000 and flash rebirth in 2009 but more importantly at least in my book green lantern Mm -hmm. green lantern rebirth rebirth yeah and he had the run from green lantern from rebirth all the way on until just recently like not rebirth not as rebirth, in li- not as in rebirth of 52 right it was actually right. a green lantern rebirth where what he did was he 2005's was
0: like, green yes. lantern rebirth bringing hal jordan not just hell back to life not, not well just yeah but, well, but who yes. else he brought he took the yes. whole green lantern the whole, core oh, I'm glad i
1: was asking you mr x yeah. he he took so <laughs> wow <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah someone's getting muted I know what the buttons God, do.
1: Guy Gardner was known as a hero by the name of Warrior, which was a guy who had like this blue stuff, could kinda of grow big, have muscles. It was kind of a weird thing. That exploded off of him. They literally had it explode off Guy Gardner, he was able to put the ring back on. He had the cool little sleeveless jacket and he was a Green Lantern again. So he brought back he brought back John, he brought back Kyle, brought back the core. And it was awesome. And it was still some of my favorite writings of all time. Like I'll go back and read those as much as I can. I absolutely love it. What else has he
0: done? He's so done his, a little bit of everything I mean, for a, for everybody, but yes. he's mostly done he's mostly, DC stuff. Yeah, he's
1: and he's mostly known for like the Flash and Green Lantern. Flash he and Green, Green Lantern, Lantern are like his two. Yeah, yeah, yeah those it's his those, two those characters he loves to
0: do. Yeah, right. I mean he wrote he wrote Infinite Crisis. Yes, or had a hand in Infinite Crisis. Probably wrote the majority of it. He, he's had a hand in a lot of those. So, he yeah. has shaped the DC universe where the comic books are concerned. Uh, I, helped. I mean, he even helped make the New Fifty Two. Right. <laughs> My third pick
2: was a tough one, but it's somebody who I'm excited to keep reading from, and that's Eric Burnham. And you might know him from IDW on such books as Back to the Future. Oh, yeah, okay. got to go back in time. Mars Attacks, and what I'm currently reading, Ghostbusters. Like, I've kind of gushed on each of mine. Like, you guys have brought a lot of facts, and I've brought a lot of personal feelings to my books. And I love what he's done with Ghostbusters. Like... I jumped on, on um, Ghostbusters Get Real, where they meet the cartoon versions of themselves. And I liked it, and I'm like, okay, well, let's hope it keeps going. And then from there, it went, I think, international, if I'm not mistaken. The next one? Or was it the crossover with the Turtles?
0: Uh, by that time, I think it was the second crossover with, with the, the Turtles. turtles. Okay. The first crossover with the Turtles is the whole reason why you could do the miniseries that's of right, Get Getting Real. Because that's why the portal from Donatello. Yeah, yeah correct. You but- jumped in halfway through the ongoing se- Well... And that's the problem with Ghostbusters. It, it, it's not necessarily an ongoing series. It's a collection of maxi-series and mini-series. Yep. But it's a continued story, mm-hmm. and all been written by Burnham. And I think he's done a fantastic job. He, he has. He has. It's one of the reasons why I've kept up with the with the book from the beginning.
2: Now, in fairness, I haven't read Mass Hysteria yet, um, and, but by the time this comes out, I should have. And just like Colin Bunn, he rewards people for reading or for watching the old movies. Like right. there's so many small nods or comebacks or like one off screens or whatever that you like I, I I've almost found that almost every arc, almost almost even every other comic book, has at least some reference to something from the past. Whether it be the old toy line with one of the ghosts you could that came with the, either the ghostbusters or when you got yeah. the ghost pack somewhere in the background, something they're fighting. Or, like, um, in um, The Crossing Over, Ray has the the Ecto-2 copter from the toy line. Yeah. And I just, to me, that's so satisfying, being rewarded for being a fan. That's what makes me love Eric so much and look forward to what he's going to continue to write. Whether it be Turtles 3 crossover, whether it be Ghostbusters meet RoboCop, who knows? But I'm excited, no matter what crazy thing they throw at him, I want to read it.
0: Well, I think... Where IDW is concerned, it's they they have a stable of writers of creators there that were fans of these properties, and because of 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 their love for that, they want to do the best job that they can. Again, I've been reading the Ghostbuster stuff from the beginning, and even though it, it again like I said, it's not a continuation in numbering, but it's a continued story over years there's at least we're, we're almost at 100 issues yeah I, at least by 75 at least I think so but we're reaching 100 issues worth of Ghostbusters material and for guys like us that grew up watching the movies mm-hmm. and then watching the cartoon and now having both of those realities represented in comic book form and the, their stories continue and count and count right. and, and matter right yeah. And not just that, the video game counts. Yes. The video game is canon, like yes. because the rookie that you played in right. the video game is, in charge is a character. Branch, yeah, yeah. he's yeah. in. He's in charge, and he's still just called the rookie. Yeah,
2: that's
1: awesome. Uh, that's <laughs> fantastic.
2: And
0: like to bring this kind of around to Chris Claremont,
2: I think it helps by having one guy who's got a vision, mm-hmm. and it's the waters aren't muddied by like you write this story, you write that story, I'll write this story, and then you know Scott the editor is going to write the fourth story, right? Like right. one guy. One vision, so like he can just say, like, we don't know that he doesn't have a whole year's worth of stories just mapped out already, Mm -hmm. yeah. That like will go forward without anybody, you know, you know, minor, like major executives. Like, and here's where Doom Patrol comes in, then the brakes are hit. But like, you know, so long as I think he stays within the IDW universe, I think he's pretty much open reign, and I think the IDW universe is really good about crossing over their characters too to make it make sense with
0: continuity as someone Well, yeah. Terms, I think
2: you can uh, speak uh, to this more.
0: Well, well, I'll I'll touch on it a little bit here. The fact that they announce out of the blue, so hey, guess what? We're going to have a Ghostbusters and a Ninja Turtle crossover. They're going to meet they're going to meet each other cuz you know, they're both from New York. I'm like, "Okay, wow. wait. Are, are we we're, yeah. we're jumping the shark now?" <laughs> Seriously? But the thing is, is that both st- the sto- the story worked in the Ninja Turtle comic books continuity, c- the current storyline that they were at, and it worked perfectly for jump starting a whole new way of storytelling for the Ghostbusters. Now, interdimensional travel, and that led us to, and I can't believe I'm saying this, because we have the crossover between the Ninja Turtles and the Ghostbusters. That led to. A crossover between the Ghostbusters and Answer the Call Ghostbusters, the all-female team mm-hmm. from the film that was a flop. Right. That was ho- it was a horrible movie because of the writing and the way that it was executed. Yet, this comic book and this writer makes you actually care about these characters mm-hmm. in his version.
2: Yeah, he he them-
0: redeems.
2: Well, he gives them personal. Not
0: not totally redeems the movie, but he redeems those characters from the movie. The movie is a separate uh, uh, entity. You
2: can't redeem that. Like, there were no real stakes in Ghostbusters. A nerd hated women, so he made ghost bombs. Woo! Great. But, like, here, now things matter. And, honestly, everyone changes except for one character, I feel, and that's Holtzman. Holtzman's still zany-wany, crazy-razy doctor. But it works because now she has foils, like now you have the mad scientist. But before you would just have these three ambiguous characters who could, who had no defining personality traits. Now they do. Now they have a straight man, pardon the pun. Now they have a now she has a straight man to play off of, and now her wackiness has a focus. It's not just this uncontainable thing. It's right, yeah. oh my god, why is she doing what she's doing? Somebody stop her whereas before it was like ride the backpack fat girl
0: hoo <laughs> because the movie was a collection of people trying to outdo each other actor actresses trying to outdo each other without any kind of real story structure and the comic book isn't is a decent writer who knows how to do things i
2: would say way better than decent but all right yeah you want to you want to insult
0: eric fine you'll never come on <laughs> It's kind of wild and ironic that my third and final pick kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with Pistol's final pick because my final pick is Tom Waltz, who is pretty much only known for being the head writer of IDW's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles since the book debuted in 2011. Tom Waltz has had almost total control, very very, very similar to Eric Burnham, where Ghostbusters is concerned. But again, it's IDW, and I love this company. IDW, I love this company because they know how to treat franchises. They do. And make you actually care about these characters and develop, further develop. Because, you know, most of these characters were already developed, but further develop. And the great thing about the Ninja Turtles, and I've gushed about the Ninja Turtles on the podcast several different times. And we enjoy it. But the great thing that Tom, Waltz, and Kevin have done is they've actually, and, and the other writers that have helped with with the smaller projects, the miniseries and things like that, it's a, it's a group effort. Mm-hmm. But what they've done is they've taken every iteration of the Ninja Turtles, both comic version and cartoon version and movie version, they've taken the best parts okay. of all of that stuff and squeezed it all together and have developed a brand new world to which it doesn't matter when you were a Ninja Turtle fan, pick up the book and you're going to find something that's going to make you want to say Cowabunga. So, my question to you is, the way you make
2: it sound is, so in Ghostbusters, they haven't amalgamated everything. It's, the Ghostbusters we know are from one continuity. Ghostbusters 2016 are from another. Uh, the cartoon are from another. What you're sounding like is they took everything and smashed into one. So there won't be crossovers. Do you know what I'm saying? trying to say? Like the movie will True. never be
0: I, I what True. I know what you're saying. And technically, no. It's, they've taken aspects, uh, the good aspects. Like, uh, here's an example. So when the turtles finally started traveling through space and go to Dimension X. Okay. In Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' adventure series from Archie, one of the times that they went to Dimension X is they were actually kidnapped and forced to participate in intergalactic wrestling. And each of them had, had, had the costumes. I had this. I remember this. Yeah. And yeah. Leatherhead was a champion.
1: Yeah. And Ace versus Ace Duck.
0: Yeah. Leatherhead beat Ace Duck. Mm-hmm. And then the four turtles had to go up against a character called Crying Hound. In the IDW universe, when the Turtles do travel to Dimension X, there is intergalactic wrestling. When they interact with characters from intergalactic wrestling, it's the same characters. It's new versions of those characters. And the events don't happen the same way, but for one issue, the Turtles are wearing (laughs) updated versions of those wrestling costumes. They run into Ace Duck, who's not a wrestler, okay, but he's actually a fighter pilot for the the intergalactic army. So now, now you actually understand. He's he's more of the Ace Duck that we know from the toy what line, yeah, with the aviator jacket, the aviator jacket and everything, the grenades, yeah.
2: Grenades, the little cap exactly. You always lost. Grenades, yeah.
0: They have it's it's stuff like that. Okay, there has been interdimensional travel, and there is a multiverse. We haven't really dug too deep into it yet but uh, again you know Mm. the series is still young
2: so let me ask about a couple of my favorites because i feel there's a lot there's a lot of turtle side characters that we could ask uh yusagi ojimbo i is he shown up
0: not in the ongoing okay but there was a special one shot an uh, oversized one shot that was put out that had the four turtles interact with Usagi. Mm-hmm. Now, where Usagi Ojimbo is concerned, his continuity has never been interrupted.
2: That's impressive.
0: That's so, impressive. yes, even though the numbering is a little bit different, he's had three different volumes. But, his, but the story has never been interrupted. So when he interacts with these four turtles, he knows it's not the same turtles he's interacted with before. Okay. Because they don't know him. He has, on many occasions, sparred and gone on adventures with Leonardo, but this is not the Leonardo he knows. Okay. So that already proves that there is a multiverse.
1: Okay. Well, I have a question for you. Turtles crossover with Batman. I just picked up that straight Yes. Is it going continuity? That's my question.
0: Both of those, both of those crossovers. Oh, yeah, there's two. I forgot there are two. There's right. a, there's is a Batman second one now. You're right. Technically, the first one does fit into continuity okay. for the for the turtles loosely. Uh, it's kind of hard to find the the spot where it fits in, but it does. Okay. Whether they fit in continuity where the turtles are concerned, they don't fit the continuity for Batman. I knew
1: but, that. But but you yeah. don't
0: really have to worry about that because right. you can it, really you could you should be able to tell a really good Batman story and not have to worry about right. continuity.
2: No, agreed. My second question, uh, my follow up to uh, Yusagi, was the uh, the frogs Napoleon uh-huh. and his crew. I, 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 I legitimately, frog I did the Frog I, the Brothers. Yeah, I legitimately yeah, really like the frogs. Oh, them the toys, and Mondo Gecko,
0: I really do. Yeah, done. Mondo Gecko is cool. Uh, uh, so, unfortunately, no, the frogs, the frog, the the, the uh, Frog Brothers have not shown up yet. The uh, Napoleon, Genghis, Rasputin, and uh, Attila, mm-hmm. those were those were the frogs. The frogs have not shown up in the comic books yet. Interesting names. Well, sh- remember Shredder was the one who named that them, so okay, they were then, all okay, named right. after conquerors. Right. That's right yep. So yes, you can see that that Tom Waltz loves everything com- when it comes to the the turtles. He loved the the old TV show, which doesn't really hold up today. No, 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 no not, no, not no, at all. That cartoon, it's no, it it, it, it I mean, is bad. pretty bad. Mm-hmm. He loved the toys, because yeah. didn't we all? Yeah, yes, we all, right. He loved all of the comic book adaptations, whether it be the black and white stuff or the more lighthearted but very dark at times Archie adventure series. And this is why Tom Waltz is on my list as one of my favorite writers, because I have never, ever read an issue of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from IDW that was bad. So those are our picks, but we wanna know who are your favorite comic book writers. Reach out to us at our website at mybigfatpullis.com and let us know some of your favorite writers. Or reach out to us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Share and share and share some more. No, we mean it. Share. You hear me? You better share. and You better share right now. Put it down, Smurfy, and start sharing. Where's (laughs) Sharvy? Until... That's (laughs) that's (laughs) a, that's a thinker. Yes. It's not a thinker. I know exactly what you're talking about. I do, too. So until next time, folks, I am one of your hosts, Mr. X...
2: Smurfy, i was pointing at you so that you knew even though they can't they see, can't see it. your and hand it's still danger and i'm holding a can of bang and we'll see
0: you guys next time
1: that's our show folks we hope you enjoyed it be sure to subscribe on the podcast listening app of your choice what he
2: means is download and subscribe on every
0: app possible have comments questions suggestions for future shows Reach out to us at our website at mybigfatpullist.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until
1: next time, keep your web fluid sticky. Your Batarang's sharp. Ouch. And your Space Gun's charge.
0: That's not a Space Gun. That's Megatron. Of my big fat poll list, ladies and gentlemen. I'm one of your hosts, Mister X, joined by Smurfy and Pistol. Because he's only down to one name now. Jesus
2: Christ! If you can't remember danger, it's not my fault at this point. Fine. Well, no, just, no, just, no, no. Say it again.
0: Say it again. No, no. I'm, no, no, I'm, no, I'm going to say this. Okay. I'm going to say this. Say it. Sometimes, yeah. Every podcast is someone's first podcast. Okay. Say it again. Ah. No, I'm not going to say it again. No. no. Say it again. no. no, no. Just say your Today's- name.
1: Days. <laughs> Pistols off the podcast? Where's Dr. Impact?
0: (laughs) He's at home. We need Dr. Impact. Good luck, suckers. You got me tonight. (laughs) What an ass. (laughs) (laughs) You got me to do it, too.